Hey guys, welcome back to the Business of Freelancing podcast, where we help you make more money, get better clients, and live an overall happier life freelancing. I'm your host, Brennan Dunn, and chances are you have not heard from me for quite a while. I have been heads down over the last few months getting the new, the brand new edition of Double Your Freelancing Rate out the door. Um, it's not only a completely rewritten book, but uh, you know, I released this book two years ago and it sold a little over 5,000 copies, but um, I wanted to get a new edition out. I, I just, I've, I've gotten a lot more clarity and, and kind of thinking about how to, you know, I, I was successful running my agency and and selling. I mean, we, we had to. We had to bring in six figures a month in projects to stay afloat. And I learned a lot about how to price and kind of the psychology behind it all. And when I first released Double Your Freelancing Rate two years ago, I, uh, you know, I knew what I had wanted to say, but it was my first time really saying it publicly. I really hadn't written anything before. You know, I've written blog posts, but never a book. And, um, you know, a few months ago, I was just looking back at, at the fact that this book continues to sell strongly and the, and the success stories I've been getting from it have been outstanding. So I decided, you know what, I want to, I want to at least add stuff. I want to clarify a lot of the, what I put into that first book and I want to release it as a really a new edition. So that was my intention, but I actually rewrote the entire book. Um, I think there's one or two chapters that are basically the same, but for the most part, all of the other content is new. There's over 150 pages of brand new content, um, six hours of video interviews. I mean, it's been it's been crazy. It's been it's been a wild ride, but God, I I am so excited to get this out the door because I've the people who have already kind of seen the previews of it, whether they be you know, I sent the first quarter of the book to my mailing list. Um, I sent out a few of the video interviews that that are in the in the new edition. Um, the response has been awesome, so I'm really looking forward to get it out uh, Tuesday, May 13th. But before I do that, um, it's Saturday now, a few days before that that fateful Tuesday that I'm releasing it, and I'm about to get on an airplane to go to Columbia to go work on site at a client's office. And what's awesome about having your own products and your own assets is they're not dependent on you. I can be making money at a client's office on Tuesday while I release this new edition of a product. And I know a lot of you want to get there. I know a lot of you want to at least augment your income with stuff that doesn't involve being on the hamster wheel of selling your time for money. So over the next few months, I really want to focus both on this podcast, which I'm going to be bringing on a co-host. So it's going to be a little more uh, structured, I think. Um, But on this podcast and also on my newsletter at freelancersweekly.com, I want to talk about a lot of practical ways that you as a freelance consultant can start to st- stop you know, selling your time as your only, as your only product. Um, the entire last section of, of the new W Freelancing Rate is actually dedicated to, to that exclusively. So I already know kind of what I want to talk about and what I want to cover. So be on the lookout for that. But today, um, what I've done is... I'm, I want to bring an episode to you, uh, kind of like a roundtable discussion that I had with a guy named Jan Jones and Jonathan Tyrod. Um, you might remember in episode 11 of the podcast, I talked with Marcus Blankenship. And what was cool about Marcus's story is he ran his agency from really in the middle of nowhere in Oregon. But these two guys, Jan and Jonathan, they run their agencies from Bangkok and Colombia, respectively. And, you know, I think... 
Jan has something like 30-something employees. Jonathan has 90-plus employees. I mean, these guys are, are, are kicking butt and doing really well. But what's really awesome about both of them is they're primarily working with American clients. You know, they're working with U.S.-based or, or Western, I guess, clients. And why I wanted to bring them on is I wanted to kind of figure out how they're able to sell from halfway around the world so that whether or not you're from, you know, you could be in San Francisco or Topeka, Kansas or, or Saigon, you know, today's episode's, episode is definitely for you. So take a listen and here we go. Okay, so I'm here with uh, Jan Jones and Jan is with a company called Uzu, I believe is the pronunciation. That's right, yeah. Okay, great. And they are out of uh, Bangkok, Thailand. And I'm also here with uh, Jonathan Tarud, who is it Tarud or Tarud? I... Uh, Tarud, yeah. Tarud, okay. Yeah. And he's with uh, Cumbia, who are, I believe are based out of Colombia. Correct. Great. So um, why I wanted to bring the both of them on was just to have a kind of a roundtable discussion about uh, business development from a distance. So, uh, Jonathan, how big is your team? Uh, so right now we're about 90. So you've got 90 developers and or 90 employees. And yep. uh, Jan, how big is your team? Uh, we're just 21 at the moment. Okay. So yep. obviously both of you have enough work to keep more than 100 people in business. And um, so you must be doing something, right? So what I'd like to do is just kind of discuss, um, you know, for people who, you know, a lot of people, they're on my newsletter. They say, you know, Brennan, this stuff sounds great about networking and everything, but I'm nowhere near... You know, I'm, I'm in the middle of nowhere geographically, and I don't know what to do. So I'd love to just kind of get both of your opinions on, um, you know, on selling to Western or American or European uh, clients um, from when you're not based there physically. Okay. Um, I'll dive straight in. So, I mean, one of the, um, I guess one of the, the benefits we, we kind of had is that's, um a lot of the people that I used to work with in my pre previous life before I started Uzu were um, decent tech guys. I worked in finance before. And I, luckily, a lot of them went off after the financial crisis when we all kind of left the industry. Um, a lot of the guys went off to Facebook and Twitter and Google and those kind of places. Um, so one of, the, one of the things we ended up with was a, a pretty good role of this to get us started. Um, so certainly a lot of it's come from referrals and that side of things. Um, plus uh, traditional business stuff as well on top of that. Um, would, you, would you say that most of your projects now come via just either referrals from past clients who were initially seeded from those connections you had? <clears throat> um, I would say probably 60 or 70% still, yeah, definitely. Okay. Um, <clears throat> we're also starting to do a lot more kind of proactive business stuff than we used to, um, which, is, which is actually working out pretty well. And we've also got some hooks into... Um, a few of the tech accelerators and a few VCs as well, which is also helping a lot um, because they're often referring, you know, they're, they're, they're kind of seed funding someone or, or you know, getting um, some sort of funding round. And that, <clears throat> that company, you know, very needs some engineering resource and they went at a fairly decent price and, and you know, quickly. Um, so we then get a referral from, <clears throat> from the accelerator or from um, the VC, which is another okay so be, so it sounds like what you do is you do a lot of partnerships with people who um, hook startups up with money and everything exactly. else and, and you're basically become a prime vendor of theirs yeah yeah okay 
Uh, Jonathan, what do you, what kind of um, I mean, is your strategy somewhat similar, or do you have a different take? Yeah, so to, to a certain extent, yeah. So so what we, we we've been able to grow throughout the years, uh, mostly through our our network. When I got started, the network was zero. Um, then I started meeting people, and one thing that's actually very different in Silicon Valley than any other place that I've been to um, is that people are willing to to introduce you. Um, you know, without asking anything in return. Uh, obviously, you need to, you know, get that karma going. And what I do is anytime I try to help them, if I meet an investor uh, that might be able to help them, I make an introduction. But overall, people are very willing to help. Um, and it, it's always good to, you know, pay it forward. Um, that, that's how we've been able to grow the network. And, and through referrals, it's, it's our primary, um, you know, source of actual... Uh, work right now. Mm-hmm. Um, we're at a point where we're starting to, you know, um, outgrow that, um, and we're getting a lot of inbound uh, leads coming in from you know, different places where we post, uh, you know, on Twitter, Facebook, and other places that we're posting uh, comments or, or you know, Quora. Um, but but still, you know, the, the network is still the most important thing that we have going for us at this point. So we met in Vegas at um, at MicroConf, and I noticed yep. you sponsored that conference, and you passed out um, some sort of what, what was it like a field field notes uh, personalized field yep. notes guide. Yep. Yeah. So how effective has I mean, do you do a lot of that? No, no, no. Th- th- this year we've been testing different things out. Um, so, so that one wasn't effective at all. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so that, that was one of the failed experiments. But um, we've been doing, uh, so for example, in the last few years, we we sponsored the Rails Rumble. Uh, that brought in some some business. Um, other things that we've sponsored uh, last year, we we you know we went to also in Vegas the uh, Future of Insights Live. Uh, we did sponsorship, um, and you know we wanted to go to the conference anyway. And the, the you know the the price of being a sponsor versus all the tickets that we were buying was to a certain extent marginal. So that's why we we sponsored that event. Okay. So we we've been trying things out, see see what works, what doesn't. Um, but but in the end, is meeting people and you know and you know helping them any way you can. Uh, and eventually, you know, if you're top of mind, they'll 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 return the favor. Is what it ultimately works uh, for most of our big clients that we've been able to secure. Yeah, I don't know if you heard last week's interview with Marcus, but um, his his strategy is pretty much the same exact thing, right? You you meet people, and you meet them at you know conferences or wherever people kind of in our space congregate. And you just try to help them out on the spot with, you know, answer questions they might have and whatnot, and you build up a relationship and keep in touch. Exactly. The, the, what I've done, and, and one thing that, that it, it is possible and it's not as expensive as one might think, is doing a lot of trips um, to, a, to a particular target area. Uh, say you want to target Silicon Valley or New York, Boston, or whatever. After a few times, once you have an in and you know someone and you start going and you start, you know, just emailing people randomly just to meet for coffee, not sell them anything, mm-hmm. um, that that's, that really helps a lot. Um, just because, you know, once you, you know, doing a call, a, a cold call is so much different than, you know, inviting somebody to a cup of coffee or, or having lunch with them because you, you go into a lot more details and it's not just, you know business as usual. 
right. Now, Jan, do you, do you guys do a lot of that same strategy? I mean, do you do any sponsorships? Do you do, like Jonathan was we saying, do, do you we, just we, focus on a region and, and immerse yourself? Um, we, we do quite a bit of sponsorship, but mainly in Southeast Asia. So we do things like uh, we recently did uh, Angel Hack. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got a strategic relationship with Angel Hack as well. So we do a lot of stuff with them around the region. Um, we we uh, did a th- uh, thing called uh, E27 Echelon, which is a big uh, tech startup uh, event over here. Um, and we, we're really actually trying to focus more on less on the tech events at the moment and more on the, the kind of startup business events because we, what we kind of found is that you know sponsoring tech events is great if you're if you're recruiting right. but you're not really going to find that many customers like that you know so we're really trying to kind of go after the after the, the startup scene at the moment um, and uh, I mean things like Angel Hack have, have certainly helped us. Uh, even though they're tech focused, help helped us raise the the brand. I mean, we're quite big on branding the company as well, um, and I guess to some extent, following you know the, the, in the path of people like Hashrocket and um, Thoughtbot, right? Um, who, who brand the yeah, thing pretty strongly. Um, and uh, we also we, another thing we're quite keen on is kind of uh, guerrilla tactic marketing. So we do some some sort of kind of off the wall crazy stuff like. Um, a recent uh, thing we've been trying out is startup cakes. So every time we we see a startup get some funding in, in the region over here, um, we send them a, a big cake. <laughs> oh wow! Okay. Um, so it sounds pretty crazy, but you know, at the end of the day, if you're if you're a startup and you're you know busting your ass somewhere, um, you know, many hours a day, and someone sends you a big cake, then it's going to get noticed. You know, so it costs us you know, not a lot of money to do it, and, and often out of that, you know, if they get some some sensible funding, then. Uh, we get somewhere. So. It's really funny you mentioned that because, um, you know, my background is in advertising before I got into consulting. And um, it, it's just, you, you know, when you're doing media buys and you're, you're working with kind of these big ad agencies, I mean, it's buying gifts and sending them to people is, is pretty much like par for the course. I mean, everyone yeah. does it. Um, and and why, I, why I'm glad you brought that up specifically is because, you know, this podcast is targeting freelancers, and the average freelancer is not in a position to need a sponsor a conference. I know some people, some I've seen a few freelancers who do sponsor conferences. Yeah. Um, uh, and actually, Jonathan, I think somebody at MicroConf did. Uh, I forgot her name, but uh, it's Brock. It was her name. Yes. Uh, yeah, yeah. Eliza, I, I remember Eliza that. Brock. Eliza yeah. Brock. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, it is doable, but I think the average uh, independent consultant. Um, is not in a position to do that. But I like the idea, like Jan said, of, um, I mean, it's pretty trivial to monitor things like if you're, re- say say you live in a in an area and you have some uh, business, you know, newspaper or periodical, and you can see things like, you know, companies that move offices or startups that move to the region or something. You can yeah. easily do like a, um, the first volley could be like something like what you said, the, the cake idea, or it could be just something else. Um, yeah. And then you just kind of invite yourself over to hang out with them, I guess, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I think I heard of another company actually in the Bay Area some, at some point doing um, startup tacos or something like that, where they were basically, uh, if, if a startup kind of tweeted or retweeted a tweet that they did, they sent a, a free set of tacos for their startup and things like that. So <laughs> I kind of love those crazy ideas. Like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of it's funny because in the in the product space, you know, in the non-consulting space, um, there's all this talk about non-scalable stuff, right? And, and things yeah. like that don't really scale. But when That's you're consulting I mean. and you're dealing with relatively few customers at once, it's totally yeah. doable. So absolutely, yeah. yeah. And everyone loves tacos. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, 
uh, that's a strategy I can support. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so Jonathan, I think I actually was on the verge of cutting you off when I jumped in. Um, were you, were you about to chime in or? No, no, no. Okay. Um, so let me ask you a little more about how you can, I mean, there, you know, finding funding announcements and everything is kind of a, a passive thing you could do through, I guess, AngelList and, and other resources like that. Um, what about, I mean, what other strategies might you have? Like if you're, let's say you, you open up your, um, you know, you open up your airline's website and you type in, you know, from where you are to San Francisco, Right. You go to San Francisco. How do you go about, first off, getting connected with people? How do you find the people that um, basically are, you know, potential candidates to meet with? And secondly, how do you go about setting up those intros? So I think the first thing is you don't have an agenda. If you go in uh, thinking that you're going to land, you know, 20 clients by visiting, you know, a few people, you're not going to, you know, that's not going to happen. First of all, all these things and all these processes takes time. Uh, I've been doing this for the last six years, started in 2007, and it's been a really, really slow ramp. Uh, Like the the famous uh, uh, chat from last year on the SaaS business, the slow ramp of death. Um, growing and growing the network is just slow, just like building a SaaS company. Um, and I think that the number one thing is find out, you know, the, there's like places like New York and San Francisco have events every single night. Right. Um, there, there's like, for example, the new tech events. There's the, um, the you know, there, there's the meetups that, you know, there's several different meetups for people that are just focused on design, lean startup. Uh, there's probably some talk by somebody, you know, moderately famous. Uh, I remember going to, you know, Steve Blank talking at a, at a, at a you know, it, it was like a business uh, chamber of commerce or something like that in San Francisco. So there's, there's always events. And usually after these events or before, um, there's like a little beer time. Um, and that's when people, you know, get to talk. Um, you, you'll notice that there's like the... What I try to avoid is being the – I'm pretty shy in general. Um, so when I go to these events, I usually just go into a corner, um, pull out my phone if there's good signal, and start you know, doing whatever it is I do there, right? Um, try, try to meet people, but don't be the, you know, the ultra-networking uh, guy that, that you know that they're on a schedule. Like they, they start talking to you, and within – 10, 15 minutes, boom, they're off. All right, I'm going to meet somebody else. Like, try, try, any conversation that you do, make, make sure it's meaningful uh, and, and make sure that you're, you're providing some kind of value. If, there, if there's no way you can provide value right away, then th- that, that might be a good chance to, to switch person. But don't think about the other way of them giving you value. Um, and I, I think that's – if you're not shy, that this should be fairly easy to do. If you if you are shy, you know, have a beer or two before. <laughs> that should definitely help you out. Yeah, that's 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 great advice. I mean, I'm I'm kind of the same. I'm you know one of those people who probably would stand in the corner rather than kind of get in there. But um, you know, definitely try and make friends, not not treat it as you know kind of a straight business pitch. Um, because if you if you kind of you know if you make a friend friend relationship with the people, they're going to re- recommend you, even if you've done no work with them. Um, you know, it's just definitely. I'm, I'm big on, you know, 
helping people and, and we always say you know advice is free if, even if they've got an idea and they haven't got any money or anything you know no problem you know if you want to ask us questions that's fine because hopefully at some point you're going to have some some money or you're going to you know have a friend running a startup who's seeded or you know whatever so i mean yeah we, do, we just really try and be a friend to everybody um which i think is definitely you know helped help us and work for us one thing that's really interesting is that a lot of companies are are starting out, and if you if you talk to non technical founders, um, one of the biggest things is, is that they go to these events um, to find technical co founders. The best thing that you can do with with these types of of clients is empower them to not need a technical co founder yet, and find out creative ways so that they can do their you know concierge MVPs, um, you know, using WordPress, Squarespace, Wufu, and some of these things, and, and just find out creative ways. And most of the time, it's super easy to start a lot of these product ideas through through a couple of forms, Wufu, and you know, a Stripe integration, uh, which you, you rarely need a lot of coding for. So things like that, people value a lot. Um, and, and opening their eyes and giving, you know, taking away the crutches mm-hmm. is pretty big, even if you don't profit from making a sale, you know, through these tools, obviously, because, you know, the objective is to, you know, build stuff for people. So that, that's something that, that I've found to be really valuable um, when, when talking and meeting new people. So if you can provide a solution that's solved by a $20 a month Wufu account to somebody, you know, you're not going to make money off of that but the the karma the good karma delivered through that will um correct me if i'm wrong in, in what you're saying but will yield a lot of benefits over time through referrals or or just you know them thinking of you as a hero in their mind exactly yeah. i wouldn't say hero but yeah <laughs> but, but somebody somebody who has their back somebody who is reputable and good exactly right I'm sure it could, you could be a hero if you, uh, if you know their job was on, or their company was on the line, or, or something, right? And and you right. you came in and you, I mean that that's what a consulting is, right? Consulting isn't necessarily building stuff from scratch. It's just giving the right solution to somebody, exactly. based on what you know. So, you know, it's a, it's a limited, one-off consulting engagement that doesn't really have a lot of profits in it, but you know, it could be the start of something bigger. Exactly. And you've done a lot of that. I mean, do you have any kind of specific examples of anything in, in your business that that's, you know, that strategy is done? Yeah, I've actually it's happened a few times. Uh, just to give you an example, just a few months ago, um, somebody emailed us about a a they needed to do some you know they they needed to do some they they had like a production thing uh, they did custom production work on like glass or something like that and they needed to do to do some QA testing right um, and the, the first when they called they called me up they sent an email and they called me right away so they were re- really eager to talk um, and they uh, I, I didn't actually try once I realized what they were trying to do I sent them to Wufu uh, literally and I said you know you can do this with Wufu uh, open you know bookmark the 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 account um, and you know, use a tablet, whatever, and you should be fine. Um, after probably a couple of weeks, 
the lady called me again. It's like, oh, yeah, we started using this. This works for this reason. This didn't work for this reason. So now we need something more custom. Mm-hmm. So we, we started talking about the, you know, the potential of doing a, uh, a mobile application. Um, in, in the end, we were actually a little bit far farther, you know, a little bit more expensive than they had budget for. Um, but in general, you know, we, we got a chance to at least bid. Um, by not even trying to make a sale at the beginning and just putting them in the right direction, so so that, that that's you know and that's just one example. We we've had several clients that became really good clients just by helping them out. Uh, with one example, we helped them you know, validate three ideas. I, I actually did this on my own free time, which I generally wouldn't recommend. Uh, we set up some landing pages. We did a couple of logos, um, and then we started driving traffic. Uh, obviously, they were paying for all the ads and, and stuff. And then we validated all three ideas. We finally went with the third one, and we went ahead, and, and that became a really, really uh, big client afterwards. So, so you know, that that's the type of you know engagement that that you know something that takes you probably a couple of hours can become something extremely. Uh, profitable and, and and it's fun to work with people trying to solve problems, you know, with, with you know less than a hundred dollars. It actually becomes kind of fun, and and you t- you can tell if the person has has what it takes in them to really see the startup through, because a lot of people will just quit uh, once they hit the first little problem. Um, so so that really is a a real test and see if you know you're gonna be you're gonna want to work with them eventually or not um, because with, in, with when we're, we're working with startups as opposed to big companies the biggest thing is that um, in a big company you know I don't want to say people don't care but but it, they're less you know involved in what they're doing um, and there's you know the things are probably a little bit more uh, fixed in terms of the variables you have when designing or doing uh, the different solutions. When you when you work with somebody, you know, in the startup, they either have it or they don't to go out and and you know do whatever it takes to to achieve the objective. Uh, and and that when you're doing these small tests, even though they they might not be technical, you can see how resourceful they are. Right. And in in you know that's. It's for, it, it works for better engagement because it for for you as a consultant you get to tell a better story. The other thing we've done on a couple of occasions as well is, is kind of um, put some initial uh, UI designs together, just really quick stuff, you know. But it, it kind of immediately they've got something in their hand to look at, um, and even though it may be you know almost non-representation of the final product at all, it, it really does kind of give you a, a hugely you know ahead of everyone else. Because you've given them something, you know, tangible that they can actually look at and then imagine the rest of the product. Um, that's that's worked for us on a couple of occasions. Um, and, the, and the other thing we do quite a lot of these days, um, and this is not meant to be stereotypical of Indian companies, but we do do uh, probably about one rescue project a month at the moment from India, um, where um, you know there, there are obviously a, a few, and this is not, you know, this is sort of applies to pretty much everywhere, but. Um, in our area of the our part of the world, we seem to see rescue projects more from India and, and Eastern Europe than anywhere, uh, where companies have gone, you know, found people off a of vote desk and that kind of thing, and just haven't really got the right people or something's gone wrong. Um, so they come to us with, you know, a, a 
GitHub repo zipped up and sort of, you know, panicking, trying to make their product work and they're running out of money. Right. Um, so we see that quite a lot. And, and again, if you can do something good for them then, you can help them out and get the thing <laughs> at least off the ground and, and you know, on, on the web, then that always, uh, that goes a long way as well. So I kind of have two immediate questions around what, what we've been talking about in the last few minutes. The first is um, the thing about delivering uh, like free wireframes or mockups. Now, do you feel that if you do that, does it kind of um, show to the client that um, we don't truly value our time? I mean, have you run into that issue? I, I know a lot of people who do not do anything like that, don't do any sort of pro bono uh, consulting like that, right? With a deliverable because of the fear that it, it kind of uh, I guess to them cheapens what they're doing. H- have you thought about that or is that a concern of yours or have you found that um, it's con- completely unfounded? I, I guess to some extent, I mean, the, the, to, to be honest, the jobs that we have done that on have been pretty large jobs. So they've usually been, uh, you know, six or seven figure uh, But you saw, that, jobs. you saw them as like a loss leader that you would, yeah, um, yeah. you knew our, it, the expectation was we will, um, in order to win the bid, we will happily do this for you, but don't don't think that we work for free. Yeah, I, I think that's that's really the, the basis that we worked on. With that. I mean, the, the, the most recent one we did this was, was the Malaysian government, so it was a, a pretty big project, and you know, we, we did a, actually for that one we did three or four uh, screenshots for, for a mobile app, um, and you know, it was kind of the guy that was pitching it to his bosses. You know, he had actual screenshots of a you know a potential result to look at for his, for his bosses to look at as well. Um, so it really helped him a lot, you know, to sell the, the product that he was trying to build up, up the chain. Um, so he was very happy and yeah, when she won the project. Right. Right. Okay. So we're running out of time, but, um, I wanted to give you both the floor for the last few minutes. And, um, if you imagine you're talking to somebody who, let's say they live in India or they live in China or they live in Eastern Europe and they, um, are looking to kind of get out of the, you know, Odesk, $5 an hour, uh, you know, projects that they've been stuck in. What would you, what kind of um, advice would you, would you give them if you were in their shoes? Uh, Jan, you want to start? Uh, yeah. Okay. Um, so, I mean, if, they, if they've got a project running already, you mean? Well, I'm just saying, let's say they're a competent developer designer. They live geographically somewhere that usually requires them to go to Odesk to find um, decent projects. And they want to get out of the that kind of marketplace race to the bottom. Right. Okay. So I mean, first thing you've got to find a company you're going to trust. Um, I mean, our, our pitch when we're sort of pitching against these kind of um, guys on you know freelancers on Odesk in India, Eastern Europe, and that kind of thing is really that we're not we're not a body shop. You know, we we will take your ideas, we will challenge your ideas. Um, we won't just blindly code whatever you, you you think you know you want to do. Uh, we will certainly you know, try and advise you if there are better ways to do things, if there are better um, services that will help you, you know, deliver uh, or ship something faster. Um, and really try and act as almost like a, 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 you know, act as a technical co-founder to you as opposed to just, uh, you know, resource. Um, that's, that's really a, a kind of our pitch, I think. Okay, so you're really coming in as a formal consultant, not just a, yeah. a person we- with a keyboard. 
Definitely. We, we definitely don't pitch ourselves as, as a body shop. We, in fact, we did get some, you know, people who ring us up and they say, yeah, we want, you know, two people next month. Um, we want them on a phone interview. Can you give us their resumes and that kind of thing? And we just flatly turn people like that away. You know, if you want that kind of person, then you're talking to the more company. Makes sense. Um, so. What about you, Jonathan? Yeah, so so we, we, we actually never got into the whole Odesk thing uh, initially. Um, we, we grew pretty organically, um, but but I, I've seen the Yodas thing come up a lot, um, and a lot of times what, what you end up seeing is that what, what people end up doing in Odesk is that they try to fit a mold, um, which is and they, they end up doing a lot of like the popular things like you know setting up Joomla's, Drupal's, WordPress stuff, uh, doing plugin development. Um, not not that you can't build a consultancy around that, but but most of them limit themselves to a lot of like the, I don't want to say, you know, the, the not so good work where you were able to shine as a consultant, like what John was saying, where you can actually provide an influence change within their organization or their startup. Um, and, and that's how you need to position yourselves. It, it doesn't matter if you're working through Odesk or with a long-term client, uh, but the most important thing is how you position yourselves. Um, and making sure that that you know that you do stuff that matters because whatever it is you're doing now just to get you know to make ends meet uh, is going to affect you you know six months from now when when all you have to show for is a, you know a crappy website. Um, so making sure that you're building value upon yourself and that you're you're doing good you know good projects will will in part. You know, give you a better story to tell down the line. Otherwise, you're going to be in that you know endless cycle of you know more crap projects, and you never get out of that uh, you know cycle. So that, that that's the most important thing, I guess. Is there, there you, you got to you know stop, change your stuff, learn the right methodologies, um, r- learn the right technologies. Um, you know, if you're doing PHP, more likely than not, you're doing it wrong. You know, in 2013. So, so, <laughs> yeah, you know, so, so, so forget about all that and focus on the right things. Um, you know, head to where the puck is going. Um, and that should give, you know, you know, freelancers an edge. And the other thing I'd add is, as well is don't undersell yourselves um, in terms of, you know, hourly rates and those kind of things. Um, really, you know, if you, if, you, if you go in there too cheap, you're really, you're going to end up with a lot of pain for yourself. You're going to end up with pretty crappy quality projects um you know we we're certainly not the cheapest but we we charge a level that we know we can do a good job we've got um you know some some breathing room in the prices we charge to make sure that we're happy doing what we're doing um this you know the stress levels are much lower the staff are much happier um it's a very much more relaxed you know kind of atmosphere developing and and the pro- you know the projects we're getting um tend to be much better because the companies or the, the startups have usually got enough money. If they've got enough money to, to pay us, then they've also got enough money to market the product when they finish that. Which is, again, you know, sometimes we see people that you know are running on a very very tight budget and they've you know just about got enough money to get the thing to an MVP, but then they haven't got enough money to actually you know do anything with the project once it's that far. Um, so yeah, don't undersell yourselves. Great. No, I, I agree on all counts. <laughs> Um, well, gentlemen, thank you so much for uh, for joining me. Uh, Jonathan, how can they find out more about you and your company? 
Uh, so just visit uh, kumbia.com, K-O-O-M-B-E-A.com, and feel free to email me anytime uh, if you need any advice or help. It's just Jonathan at kumbia.com. Great. And Jan? And we're at uh, uzu.com. It's O-O-Z-O-U. And again, uh, drop me a mail. Brian wins. Uh, hello at uzu.com. Perfect. Well, again, thank you guys so much, and we'll be talking soon. Thank you for having us. Thanks very much. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that episode as much as I enjoyed recording it. If you'd like to stay in touch and hear from me each week and you're interested in continuing to grow your business, your freelancing and consulting business, uh, I'd encourage you to join over 10,000 other freelancers at freelancersweekly.com. Just enter in your name and email and you'll get an email from me at least once a week where I just offer, you know, off-the-cuff advice that kind of augments a lot of what we talk about here at the podcast. Um, I would also love, if you have the time and you like the podcast, to help support it by going to iTunes and leaving a, re- a review uh, with your thoughts. I read each and every one, um, and I'd love to uh, start even reading them off on the air. And lastly, uh, at the beginning of the podcast, I had mentioned that my new course, Double Your Freelancing Rate, is coming out in T-3 minus days from the time of this recording. But you're probably listening to this after it's already come out or you know, a year after it's come out. But regardless of when you're listening to it, if you go to doubleyourfreelancingrate.com and enter in the promo code podcast, you can get 15% off any of the three packages whenever. So um, again, doubleyourfreelancingrate.com. And I will be back in about a week with a brand new edition of the Business of Freelancing podcast. (laughs) 